Welcome to the Deliciously Alive podcast, where we explore what's possible when we allow ourselves the full human experience. My name is Sarah Campbell, and I'm your host. Each week, my guests and I will be sharing real and actionable insights on how to tap into your desires, feel truly alive, adventurous, and inspired to take action. I believe to my core that a vibrant, radiant, delicious life is possible for you. So pull up a comfy seat or join me on your favorite walk and we'll take this wild, messy, brilliant journey to living a life that lights us up together. Welcome everybody. This is going to be a really great episode. I'm really excited to have my guest today here with me. She focuses in on something that hear a lot about it's the buzzword and you know we're all trying to do our best to take care of ourselves but it's one of those things that really and truly does contribute to so much goodness in our life and so much of how we can show up in our life at the highest level so Dr. Tamara Beckford is here with me and I'm so excited so Dr. Tamara Beckford is an emergency medicine physician international speaker and the CEO of you are caring docs where she helps companies reduce employee burnout through self-care workshops she hosts the Dr. Tamara Beckford show where she interviews physicians about self-care wellness and their activities inside and outside clinical medicine to date she has interviewed 170 physicians across the world Globally, the podcast named after the show ranks in the top 5% of podcasts. Dr. Beckford's expertise in self-care has led her to being featured on over 60 podcasts and presenting on the importance of wellness on various platforms, including Power to Fly, Center Point Energy, Scale Your Business Summit, the Grants Professionals Association, Physician Coach Support, and the Blaze Virtual Summit. She's also a success mentor at Entre MD Business School, mentoring nearly 60 plus physicians weekly, helping them build six and seven figure businesses. In 2022, her content was viewed over 1 million times on social media, and she co-authored two best-selling books, Made for More and Thriving After Burnout. As a result of her work, the New Jersey Academy of Sciences recognized Dr. Beckford as a COVID-19 hero for her work during the pandemic. Tamara Beckford, you are incredible. <laughs> Thank you for being here. My gosh. Thank you. Wow. I listened to that and I'm like, who is that person? <laughs> I think we all do that. I can't believe it. Isn't that amazing though? Sometimes it's funny. I was talking with a friend about kind of reflecting over what we've done and, and you mm -hmm. don't think much in the moment. And then when you hear it or you write it down, no. you're like, wow. Yes which is also a very powerful tool, right? The writing it down because our mind leads us towards the negative. Oh, I'm not doing anything. I'm not getting anything done. I'm not being productive. And then you write down what you actually got done and you start to say, oh, wow, okay. Well, I did do so many things. You know, I wanted to do three things. I got five other things done. I got one out of the three things that I wanted to do done, but I felt like I didn't do anything. I know. It's so true. This is something, <laughs> this is a skill I think probably, and you could probably even tie it back to self-care because oh, absolutely. it's that negative self-talk or that self-worth yeah. piece that mm -hmm. spirals into this whole thing. So right. before we get too far, what, tell us about you, what's your backstory and how did you start with all of this? 
Absolutely, absolutely. So as you mentioned, I am an emergency medicine physician and, you know, been practicing medicine for almost 15 years now. During the pandemic, I recognized that there was something that I was doing in comparison to what my friends and some of my colleagues are doing that was helping me to get through the space, right? And I couldn't figure out what was it. And when I did look at what I did at that time, in comparison to what my colleagues did, I recognized it was self-care. And that's when it was just so powerful and mind-blowing, like, whoa, really? And, you know, when those who are listening hear about self-care, a lot of times you're thinking, what? We were in the pandemic. You're on lockdown. What do you mean you did self-care? You couldn't go to the spa. You couldn't go here. You couldn't go there. But self-care is not really that. It's what brings you to the essence of yourself, right? It what, it's what allows you to be your best in mind, body, and spirit. And most importantly, it really allows you to be able to release and enjoy all the things that makes you you and builds up your mental health, right? So it builds up your physical health and it absolutely builds up your mental health. So what was it that I did? I started to one, control the things that I could control, which is very challenging, right? You were in pandemic. It was anytime there was a time when you were out of control. <laughs> It was the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that and I started to really look at those who I surrounded myself with. So it was just so powerful. I changed my surroundings. I added people who were positive people who were looking at life, the, the glasses half full and what are we going to do to support each other and build and, you know, and those are the things that I did. And lo and behold, I started thriving. And uh, hmm. when that happened, I said, I can't just hold this to myself. I see how I'm thriving. I see how others are having the opposite effect. So I dove deep into it. And that's when I decided to do that portion of your caring docs, which is helping organizations to reduce their stress and burnout through these self-care workshops. That's incredible. And what a time, mm -hmm. you know, we live in this, this age where we were presented with the challenge and we were given the opportunity to okay. decide what to do with it. And what an empowering way of approaching that challenge. It just shows that we can approach challenge with a growth mindset. It doesn't have to be that. And I love your definition of self-care because a lot of times we do think that it's just you know, getting a massage or a bubble bath or whatever. Mm -hmm. But sometimes self-care, it's funny. I did a story on Instagram the other day and I was like, okay, this is your, your call to action. Basically that self-care isn't always about the fun stuff. Sometimes it's about the things that are going to make your life better in the mm -hmm. long run. And for me, it was pre prepping for taxes. <laughs> and I was like, whoever said that prepping for taxes yeah. was self-care? Can you just say that one more time, your definition of self-care? Because I thought that was so beautiful. Well, yeah, it's what brings you to the essence of you, allows you to mm. protect your mind, your body, and especially your spirit, brings you to strengthen your mental health. It's all okay. that. That's so mm -hmm. beautiful. It's beyond the surface level that we think of self-care. And yeah, it just goes deeper and it resonates on a deeper level, I think. Absolutely. And that's what the power of it, you know, is moving beyond the surface layer of it 
because a lot of times the surface layer will get you but so far when you dig deeper and you can protect your mind and your mental health mm -hmm. like how great is that and that is a trickle effect to everything it's yeah. funny i was thinking about this the other day i was like where do you start when it comes to having this incredible life and mental your physical you know, if you don't have a body, you can't do anything. If you're not yeah. in good health, you can't do anything. If you're not in a good mental state, you, yeah. you can't appreciate it. It's like that mental energy. So, so, so powerful. Yeah. So when you were looking at yourself, because you mentioned this, you said you were looking at how you were feeling and then mm -hmm. looking at some of your colleagues and your peers and how mm -hmm. they weren't necessarily thriving. And granted, that was an incredibly difficult situation. You know, I, I actually worked in emergency services at that time. And so I know the ins and outs of that as well, but the, what was it? What were the signs of actually something deeper versus just being tired? Because I think a lot of people were tired working long hours and stuff like that too. But what was, what's that real red flag or warning signs, I guess? Absolutely. So the, you know, everyone gets tired and everyone gets fatigued. And this is not only for the pandemic. This is just for life period, right? Yeah. We get fatigued and we get tired. And we know that a day of rest is important. A day of mental rest, physical rest. The red flags, and uh, especially with colleagues when you just knew that they were done, breaking down emotionally at work. Mm. You know, breaking down emotionally at work. A colleague um, in the hospital, she wasn't in the ER, she was an ER colleague, but she was a colleague in another specialty that's also very high demanding specialty. And I recall hearing, you know, overhearing my, someone else, once they get off the phone with her, they said, I think she's crying. And I'm saying, what? This is my female physician colleague. I'm like, she's crying. And I said, wow, this stress must be very, very, very high for her. So I gave her a call. And, you know, I said, right, let me finish up what I'm doing. And I said, I have to give her a call. So I called her and it was going to be her last day. You know, she just kind of gave up. And so I said to her, hey, I overheard, you know, your call with the other doctor. Um, you know, I heard that you're not feeling well. I just want to call you because now you're going to call from the ER. You're like, ah, oh, there goes another one. <laughs> I know, add to the stress. I immediately told her, I was like, this is not one of those calls. I'm just calling yeah. to just let you know that you know, I really like honor and respect you. I hear that you're having a bad day and I want you to know that somebody's on your side and that, you know, you're here. And it just meant like so much. And we ended up talking for a couple of minutes. And the very sad part about this is the person left. She did not actually need the job. She was really working there out of her love for medicine. So financially, she didn't need it. Mm. She had um, like a huge right. amount of financial support. Um, she had additional things that she did. And I watched her leave and I've seen her like on social media. And when I tell you that she is thriving, like she's lost weight as in like, you know, a healthy weight, which shows that's the other side of what happens when right. you're in the burnout process, right? you're become unhealthy like we just talked about in the body and so on she travels with her family she's just happy she's doing her additional side gig that she does and just a completely different woman so 
Burnout will, will bring you to the point of breakdown. The colleagues in the ER during the time of the heightened of the pandemic, anxiety levels. I mean, we all remember that we'd get the report on how many new cases per day. I literally yeah. watched the news for 12 hours <laughs> every day. Like, I didn't even need to. So yeah. that led to burnout. That mm -hmm. high level of anxiety is refreshing the screen every hour. How many new cases now? How many new cases now? Yeah. And each time you're getting more yeah. and more anxious. Oh my gosh, the cases are higher in our county. They're getting, oh, you know how many people have died now? Okay, now the death rate is going up. It's just like refreshing, refreshing, refreshing the screen. The anxiety is going higher and higher and higher. So it plays out in many different ways. Because being afraid because you're worried about your own health, which as a human, that's natural, right? You're in an environment where people are mm -hmm. dying and you're watching them die. You're having to take care of them, but you're also concerned about yourself and you start to extrapolate. What if I'm bringing this home to my family? I don't know if this can do this. This is not yeah. for me. This is not what I signed up for, you know? So that's how it all leads to additional burnout within the, within the medical field at that time. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Question for you. So thinking about this person, and she may be, you know, who knows? I don't know what, and we might, we'll dig into this. Like, what could we do different in those instances? Mm -hmm. Like, say we're feeling like that in those instances. What can we do to stay the course if that feels right for us? But do you think there's an element of community that's necessary for having the best care of self? Because you thought, mm -hmm. you know, you were able to call her and she went on and did her thing. But when I think about this, I think about, having the the space to mm -hmm. take the time for yourself well you need to ask yeah. for help and support and you kind of you, that community is so important isn't it community is absolutely important because when someone is in the deep depths of really um burnt out or even getting there their workload is very high and that's one of the things so the workload is high the appreciation load is low yeah you know and um instead of appreciation you're getting probably criticism how can we do this better versus, oh, I'm so thankful for what you're doing. Or the, if I'm thankful for what you're doing, it comes, but it comes at the beginning of a sentence that's going to turn into, but how? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's the the shit sandwich. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, you're doing a great job. However, but, but keep up the good work. That was just uh, something bad sandwich in between two good things. Absolutely, which is what's happening <laughs> on top of the workload. And then, and so what when you end up feeling, you know, which is part of the three elements of burnout is, you know, you start to sad, loss of energy, you just mm -hmm. fatigue. Two, you start to lose the connectivity with your job. Cynicism kicks in. And three, you're just kind of like, you don't feel that you're producing great work anyway. So that feedback loop of, put something great out and you get that pride and that dopamine rush. Eh. You know, we're like, oh, great job, sir. Eh. Yeah. So community absolutely can help with that because when you start to see someone getting into those layers, the yeah. cynicism and so on, you just start to pull you back to, hey, well, it looks like you're not um, feeling so well. How are things going? And that's what I really talk about too, with how community or even in the place itself, you can tap into that person. So I can say to you, hey, Sarah, how are you doing? When are you likely going to say, I'm fine? Yeah. 
because that's what we all say, right? It's our automatic answer. <laughs> yeah. But then the next, we can tap into the second part of that question, which is something that, you know, relates to something about Sarah that you distinctly know. Oh, you know, I remember the last time we spoke, you said that you were planning on ABC. How did that work out? And then you'll find out, right? So then that shows more interest. That opens up the lines of communication. That'll allow that manager, that friend, anyone in. And then we can start to navigate ways to help. Right. It's, you feel more seen and heard when someone, you know, aside from how you do it today, it's off an off the cuff thing, but if we probably would say, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Before we even finish the sentence. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me then in your experience mm -hmm. or what you've seen, especially in the workplace inside, however, what kind of strategies or tactics or things are the best at managing stress and avoiding burnout? especially when we're talking about like fast-paced environment. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So managing stress and avoiding burnout, you need to really find an element of yourself, something that is personal to you that you can tap into. Like for those who have been in the medical field or anything and, or you go to the ER, you know, they give you that big lump of fluid. We call that the bolus. And then that little fluid that's coming, dripping, dripping along, we call that the maintenance. So that little dripping, dripping along, that maintenance fluid, that's kind of what you need to do in order to really tap into self-care. So what are some things that you can do daily? Doesn't have to take a long time. 15 minutes. For me, I love listening to Bruno Mars. So, and I will sing Bruno Mars's song. May not be as great as Bruno Mars, I'm sure it's better. This is exactly what it does. It makes me laugh. It changes my mood. I get very happy. I dance. And, and so that's just 15 minutes. Actually, I do that actually every Saturday night. So that's almost like a big bowl of swing. My Saturday night, Bruno Mars singing. And, you know, I just love that. What are some things? I love to read. I read a little bit every day. I don't get a chance to read extensively because you read my bio. I have kids. <laughs> So, you know, family. So, but I give myself a little bit of yeah. every day. Um, spirituality is also important. I give myself a little bit of that every day. You know, listening to um, podcasts, which is like I invest in myself and I invest in my personal development. I give myself a little bit of that every day. So all of that is my self-care. So now when I go on the vacation, that's my bolus, right? That's my big thing. You know, so yeah, right now I'm working. My vacation right. is not until a couple months. I'm not going to not give myself a little bit of self-care and just wait until like I'm completely worn out. I barely can drag myself to the airport, you know, to get on debt. No, I give myself a little bit every day so that when I go to that bolus, it's like a bolus and a bonus at the same time. Mm, I love that. And that way you never, mm -hmm. get, like you said, you never get so Absolutely. low that you, yeah. no. and it might be different for everybody, I guess, those activities. So it's something that just feeds you, but you know, and that's interesting too, because I think life gets so busy, especially, you know, we're talking mm -hmm. about having kids, you know, you're driving here, that's you're driving right. there and it doesn't have to be anything big. It can just be something little. It could be being in the car outside your kid's hockey yeah. practice reading Absolutely. a few pages it really oh. is it is very very just small small 
little things that makes you feel good. And, you know, if you really want to find out who you truly were, think about the seven-year-old version of yourself. Because that person really, mm. what did you like to do at seven? Because some people are like, I don't know what I like to do. What about when you were seven? What did you like to do? And then I'm like, I remember that I used to love to read. And then I lost that joy yeah. of reading because everything I read was, I was being tested on, right? So you're not right. reading for pleasure. You're reading for the information gathering. Writing that gratitude practice, big thing in order. So if someone's saying like, oh, I'm just at the beginning. I don't know what to do. I don't write down five things that you're grateful for. That's a great tip. So when you're listening to this episode, write down your five things. And also write down what you loved when you were seven. I love that. That's such a good tip. That's funny because reading is also something that I kind of got away from. And that was the thing. I was always stuck in a corner with my nose in a book when I was younger. And you do start to reinvigorate those things. But sometimes when you're so far, especially if you're so far in it where you're like, you are a burnout. Yes. It's so hard to see how to even like it feels like you got to claw your way out or you're just kind of treading water with your mouth above the water so is there anything else from your experience in working with people like if somebody comes to you and they say mm -hmm. i literally feel like i'm treading water and i've just got my mouth above water and i'm like taking little sips of air what is like low-hanging fruit for them to do to kind of get to the maintenance state so powerful because when you're mm -hmm. treading water and you're in that state yeah. everything is in the negative zone this is not going right and that's not going right and this is not going yeah. right and then i tried to do this but then this negative thing ended up happening and you know so you're really really deep in the negative zone like we said you know it's hard to be grateful and to be like cynical at the same time, right? It's hard to be grateful and anxious at the same time. So when you really can just tap into, and that'll change your your mindset. Now, you're not gonna be happy immediately, but you'll get to a point of at least neutrality. You know what? I am grateful for what's going on. And when you're in a point of neutrality, you can step back and figure out like, how can I get myself out of this zone? When you're deep and your head is in the water, you're just still thinking, and here it goes, right. someone pouring more water, pouring more water on me, you know? So great way to start. I know people don't want yeah. to, and it's like, ah, it sounds she-she-foo-foo, but it is powerful. Just start writing, writing. It is, it is. I remember this moment I had a while ago, years, I have always had, you know, a gratitude journal and a gratitude practice where I write things down. And I had this moment where I sat with something that I was grateful for. And it really is true. If you just sit with it for a few minutes, you can't. It's like anger and gratitude or frustration and gratitude. Like they just can't live in the same room. It's so funny. It's like, I remember coming out of that moment where I just sat there. Literally, it was like two minutes and I was thinking about something. And That's I, big... like, it was almost like my chest yeah. filled up with, like, love. I don't know. And from there, I could do no wrong. And I guess from that place, like you said, you get yourself to a place of neutrality. And that was a little bit more of a power, powerful experience. But even just the writing it down, you mm -hmm. get yourself 
to that neutrality, then you can put the maintenance piece in because you could think straight. You can't strategize if you're like deep in the midst of it, you know, seeing the forest from the trees, you need to be able to do that. So bring yourself into that neutrality zone and then work from it. Mm, so good. So good. And then just weaving it in each day. So when you talk about, I mean, where we all have all the things going on, how do you balance it all, especially with kids and work and just little mini pockets of time or? So absolutely little mini pockets of time, but this is something else that's so powerful that a lot of people negate to do, which is seek help, a way that you can do it all. Yeah. And you know, yes, I'm a mom and yes, I'm a great mother. You know, I tell myself that because there are times that my mind will try to tell me otherwise. I have to go to work and my child cries. Oh, you're a mom because you left to go to work and your child is crying. When you know that the child overall, you know, shelter, food, clothing, emotional state is fine. They're just probably having a moment, right? So seek help and know that what you're doing is you're doing a good job. So I had to do that. So when I am asking for help, I have to be also willing to receive it. There's an, in order to, for me to do all that I'm doing right now, like right now, the help that I'm getting is from the Board of Education. My kids are in help, I get help from family that allows me to do some of these things. I work nights, right? So my husband and I, we work together. At nighttime, he's at home with the kids. At nighttime, I'm working. I to acknowledge that I'm not a bad person because I'm getting help. I can't do all of these things. I get help in cleaning the house. I pay for it, but it's important that it that allows me the time with my children. So that same time that I was worried and nervous about that I had to leave for work at night, I get to now spend that time with them instead of worrying about I'm gonna clean the house because I got, I delegated that to a service so that I can be present and give the love and caring to my family. So you have to be able to navigate through that space and delegate and seek help and receive help. So that's how I get to do what I do. That's beautiful. We live in a culture. It's interesting because when you look at a lot of other cultures, my sister-in-law lives in India mm-hmm. and for her, it was, she married an incredible man who we grew up in India and has an amazing family. And she went over and she lives with them mm-hmm. and, or she has her own place now, but like their cultural, the way they operate culturally is giving and receiving is so much of their cultural norm. Whereas we're kind of lone wolfing it over here in North right. America. Absolutely. You know, we're like, no, I'm, I'm an independent woman. I can do this all my yeah, I can do this. And then they're suffering and suffering and suffering. And someone reaches a handout and you're like, no, 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 that's okay. While, you know, one of the powerful things that we even when we talk about gratitude, um, another powerful thing about gratitude is giving and receiving. So, When someone is asking to help you and you accept that help, that is allowing them to be able to express their gratitude to you. 
So it, it's powerful for them to be able, and it's not a tit for tat. It's just that I want to be able to support you. It'll help me to feel needed also and feel a part of your life. Just like when I ask you, and you know, it shouldn't always be a one-way street that I ask you to help and you're always like, oh, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I can do it by myself. I can do it by myself. I need help. And you're like, oh, I can help you. I can help you. But you don't allow me to, re to you know, I receive, but I don't get to give. So for those of you guys who are listening and you have someone in your life who is trying to support you, give them that honor of being able to do that. Because when we do that, we almost give permission for them to receive as well by modeling. And then a lot of times in, in a scenario that is even more powerful, say you have a scenario where someone might have a little bit more than the other. So you're a friend and maybe a little bit more financially stable than your, you know, your other friends. So friend A is more financially stable than friend B. Friend A is always paying for everything for a friend B. And then one day friend B says, hey, I'd love to take you out to lunch. Friend A is thinking in their mind, well, I know that I'm more financially stable. And then they say, no, don't worry about it. I got it. No, allow friend B that honor of being able to take you mm. out just like you do for them. Wow. I think that's something that I, it's definitely something that, in the culture, mm -hmm. in the North American culture, we are just very yes. independent, at least from my experience and the people around me. And I honestly had mm -hmm. never really thought about it that way. And it is a beautiful thing because it increases mm -hmm. the beyond social yes. connectedness, like social media, it's the true connectedness. And that's, that's the community. That's the community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that we give ourselves the ability to give and receive or support and even on a science-based level I mean the dopamine I believe and I could be wrong but I think you get more dopamine hit basically from giving mm -hmm. than and, then that, and I could be misstating that and the bond that occurs which is the oxytocin so that's the bond that occurs that um, when you're around people who you enjoy or you're around someone and you start to just be connected with them, that's another hormone that we just naturally release, you know? And the anticipatory hormones, like I can't wait to hang around with her because that was such a, such a great time. I can't wait to, you know, to serve like that person be like, oh, this would be so great. I can finally take Sarah out. She's always taking me out. Oh, I just can't wait, you know? Allow that person to get that, yeah that I love that so you talk a lot about burnout and self-care within the workplace culture mm -hmm. and this is really interesting to me because I've been both in roles where I've been, you know have management and then where I've managed others mm -hmm. and I think there's such an opportunity I mean we're at work so much of the time how do we create a culture that really supports self-care throughout organizations and I mean depending on where you are in your organization you may have different abilities to implement and or affect change mm -hmm. but but how do we create that culture 
the culture so that yeah it's an easy thing but it can be done so in order to create the culture one we need to remove the stigma mm -hmm. if we really think about the stigma around burnout when someone says that you know i i'm sorry i'm gonna need to take time off i'm burned out what is the first thing the surrounding um, members or of the team or so think well i guess you couldn't cut it yeah mm -hmm. you know we need to remove that we need to remove that we need to, to train on ways on recognizing stress within our teams so that we can because i believe that stress leads to burnout so stress is a precursor like we'd say you know, something that occurs so if persistent stress is occurring burnout is inevitable so let's start to recognize stress team. Let's provide them with tools to manage that. But how about also we provide them with tools to recognize stress within themselves? You know? Yeah. So, <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say, so what are they? Yeah. <laughs> Let us know. Because yeah, so, so, so Yeah. So tools in, in recognize. So a lot of that is going to be workshops. Hmm. What are some workshops things like, you know, workshops that will allow you to recognize these. For example, there's a study that says that persistent stress or high level stress versus low level stress, um, especially who are, you know, eventually they're working with us. Like 56% of people are having like persistent headaches. It's mm. high level stress, right? Fatigue. Fatigue for just no reason. You're getting your lab works done. Everything's normal. You just yes. persistently fatigue. High levels of stress are due to that. You know, there are a lot of stress that really, and I'm not talking about just the, these are just the, what we call a psychosomatic, meaning it's, it's the stress, which is um, the high level of stress on your mind. That's the psycho portion. And then the somatic is your body's reaction to that, mm. right? So the persistent stress is now causing headaches. You don't have a tumor. You don't have any abnormalities. You don't have a head bleed. You're just stressed and you just release in like persistent high stress chemical hormones. Um, like we talked about fatigue. We talk about like irritability, inability to concentrate, inability to do and produce productive work. Um, the quality work starts to um, go down. These are all signs. So if you're noticing that, then those are signs that the team, if you're noticing that in your team members, you might have to pull them aside and just dig a little deeper and see, how can I support you? How are things going? And as we mentioned earlier, you know, that two touch system, because they're going to say, I'm good. Yeah. But then yeah. dig a little bit deeper and then find out you know, how, you know, we've noticed, it's not that like we notice the quality, like how are things going with the family? We can support you. Find out. And then from that, where you dig a little further, find out how you can support them. And then maybe you'll find out like that person is, yes, the quality of their work has gone down because that fam a family member that is very important to them is extremely sick on chemo. They have to leave. They have to take them to chemotherapy in the morning. And then they're coming to work and then they have to leave to pick them up. Mm -hmm. But you're just seeing them coming to work a little bit late, five, 10 minutes late, and then leaving five, 10 minutes early. But we need to find out what's going on, like we said, in the, in the, on the two ends of the sandwich. <laughs> right. Do you think that there is, at least with the employees, do you think there's a mm -hmm. bit of fear in being truthful out of 
being either, you know, fired or reprimanded or, or have that reaction of guess she couldn't cut it or he couldn't cut it or whatever. Absolutely. Statistics are out there. It says that around 96% of companies have um, employee program or some type of support for their employees, but only one in six are using it mm -hmm. because they don't feel comfortable talking to their managers. Yeah, it's kind of scary when it's like financial security on the line or whatever it is. Put your head down and just keep going. You know, so it be done on both ends. Like the, the work be done on the end of the leader, the team leader, because, you know, when you're in a um, in a superiority, the person who feels like they're, they are the subordinates are going to find it hard to come to you unless you provide that um, level and say, like, hey, these are things that we have available. You can take advantage of these things. And so I'd urge, you know, our leader that I'll urge our leaders to provide um, the resources, let the team know what's going on. And, um, you know, and then the, the keeping the communication open so that the other teams, so there's no one wants to be like broadsided, right? Or blindsided on both ends. It'll be good if that line can be opened, the communication. So if someone has to take time off, then there's things put in place for them. What would you say to leaders in the sense, because I feel like, I mean, I've heard statistics and things, mm -hmm. but uh, when somebody is in a good place, mentally, emotionally, physically, of course, they're going to be a better mm -hmm. employee. They're going to stay longer. Your turnover is going to be less. The costs to the business and the mm -hmm. brand are going to be less. Because training someone new is a lot more costly and effort than working with someone. But I don't know if, mm -hmm. I don't know some leaders, if they know the direct implication, what, because I, I feel like sometimes mm. leaders might just not have an awareness of that. But what is the, not the science, but the statistics, what is it behind keeping an employee happy and healthy that is a benefit to the brand and the business and the leadership team? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's called 11000 $11,000. 11000 a little bit over $11,000 is how much it costs to replace an employee. That's not chump change. Yeah. Per. That's not chump change. <laughs> That's a lot of money. It's not chump change. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, and that in like you saying, $11,000, I don't know. Yes, the recruiting fee, the time yeah. taken away from loss of productivity from that person not being there, um, you know, it, it really adds up. So, and that's because from the financial standpoint, from the organization, from the business, as to why it's it's imperative for us to really pour into the leaders so that they can lead from a, um, a place feeling that they're providing the best because they have been trained and to be aware of this, you know, so they've been trained to, um, to even provide self-care to because your team is going to follow you. So if you're poorly, you're not taking care of yourself, you're yelling at your team, you're um, in messages all hours of the night and the day, then your team is thinking, well, I need to be up just in case I get a message. I can't sleep. No, you know, you have to provide that, that framework for the team because it is costly. They can, the team will only be able to work at that level for but so long before mm, they collapse. It's just not sustainable. And it's not how you do your best. Just not. 
This is so good. It really is the root of so much, eh? I have one more question for you. When it comes to going back to your friend there in, in the hospital, when it comes to mm -hmm. letting go, is there mm -hmm. any, when we look at our self-care and we look at the way we're operating and if we're operating in a high level of stress on a consistent basis, mm -hmm. is there, how do we make the differentiation of, okay, I put, so I get myself out of emergency mode. I get myself to a place of neutrality with gratitude. I put in some uh, maintenance activities maintenance. and then I can weave mm -hmm. in some of those bonus activities. Is there ever a time mm -hmm. where like my self-care demands me to remove this from my life? My self-care demands me to remove something from my life, like work, like, you know, like. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that, that's the that part of self-care, right? Because the negative impact, persistent negative impact, you have to sit and evaluate, well, which part of this is um, contributing to me not feeling my best. If you've done and you're checking all those boxes, then yes, maybe removing yourself from that situation and putting yourself in physical location, a physical job might be the best self-care for you. So absolutely. Absolutely. But it might not work unless we kind of go yeah, through the steps first. Through the steps. Yeah, exactly. And then it gets just you're running away. Kind because of. you might be running right back into whatever it is that you right. think that you're running away from. So what have you put in place? You know, where the grass is it's not gonna be the grass is green or the grass is only greener if you fertilize it where you're watering oh it, right? Yeah. I know it's so funny. A girlfriend of mine said yesterday we were on a call. Grass isn't greener. It's just grass. It's, just grass. it's still grass. <laughs> it's just still grass. Yeah, and it is. It's just where you fertilize it. That's great. Mm -hmm. But I guess if we put in those, you know, we put in that maintenance, we get ourselves to a place where you we can weave in those things and we're still feeling, yeah. we're still like high level stress. It may be time to look at the environment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the environment might not only be work, it might be those who you're around. Yeah, Remember, human beings that. are social beings. We evolve. So at different phases of your life, different people, you might outgrow. So you might outgrow a certain environment. If we, and the, the best example is, is think about your high school years, your early 20s, and your 30s. Like how many people have made it through all phases? Mm. Yeah. There's a time and a place for each type of relationship, I guess. Absolutely. And so if you've outgrown a relationship or a relationship is now not serving you, it's, it's being more of a pulling energy than pouring energy into you from like a negative space, it might be time to go. And this is something that happens to everyone. You know, I've, I've seen this hap happen to colleagues, you know, colleagues who have started businesses and they were told that they were going to fail by other friends. And then the business are doing well. And, and, you know, the other person says, oh, this is just luck. No, no, it's not luck. It's hard work. <laughs> so, you know, if, if everything positive that you're saying, you're getting a negative um, comeback, what is it time to do? To remove. Because then you don't have to spend so much energy fighting that negative energy. Absolutely. How much more powerful and uplifting is it to have the other person who is pouring energy and support into you than fighting the negative energy? love that. Oh my goodness. This is so good. 
I feel like I could talk to you forever, <laughs> but thank you so much. So where can everybody find you and follow you and stay connected to you? Absolutely. So you can find me. I am very active on LinkedIn at Tamara Beckford MD. And you can also find me on my website, yourcaringdocs. It's U-R-C-A-R-I-N-G-D-O-C-S.com. I put together lots of master classes. So if you're watching this, listening to this, and you can always jump on the website and see if there's a free masterclass, sign up and I'll be happy to pour in additional knowledge and support and love and my love for Bruno Mars for you through my, <laughs> my masterclass. And, you know, I am available here. I do love to do speech and, you know, speak to organizations, um, workshops. So if you are looking for a speaker, you can also find me on my website and fill out the speakers page or send me an email, drbeckford at yourcaringdocs.com. Amazing. And we'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes Thank too. You. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for pouring into us with your wisdom, your golden nuggets and all those, you know, tips and tricks mm-hmm. that I really do believe can help us get to incredible place with our life. So really appreciate you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Deliciously Alive podcast with me today. We hope it brought value to you and created a bit of inspiration and encouragement that will move you into action. For more, you can head on over to deliciouslyalive.com forward slash guide to get our free resource guide that will show you actionable ways to live an incredible life, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know who would love it too or leave a rating and review. It means the world to us and gives us feedback on what to do more of. That's all for this episode. So till next time, stay curious, be brave, and take inspired action toward that delicious life meant especially for you.